Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, so would you corrupt, guten tag, ciao, we viva, cat bang, half a day, priviet, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, this is Go Vegan with Bob Linden, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And right at the top, I should say, stay with me here on today's show. I predict one of the most important and interesting interviews on health that you will ever hear. Perhaps this show today will save your life, save the lives of your family, your friends. So we have uh, Dr. Neil Barnard coming up on today's show. Neil Barnard, MD, founder and president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And uh, you don't want to miss what's coming up today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And I I tell you that because, um, you know, I I don't want you to click off or shut off the program or, you know, uh, cancel me uh, for anything I might say between now and the time of the interview, if... uh, I offend anybody for any reason. Um, I don't know. To- tolerate me today because uh, it'll it'll be worth it to uh, to hear the interview coming up with Dr. Barnard, and he will also be talking about his new book, Your Body in Balance. And remember, he did write the book on diabetes and uh, so much more. I mean, I'm just uh, saying, stay with me. Um, you know, even and you know, just don't. Uh, don't don't turn me off for anything I might say, okay? So uh, you know, don't 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 censor me. I'll leave that to uh, leave that to fascist book and uh, Twitter. So um, I uh, I'm particularly offended by censorship, and uh, I guess because well I don't know I'm so traditionally in the left. You know I'm I was in the left when we were for free speech and for civil rights anti-war that's how far yeah that's how old i am yes i was at woodstock so um and today i'm uh, just particularly disturbed by censorship um having been arrested myself six or seven times on uh issues related to free speech um so you know i uh, just very offended by censorship um you know arrested six or seven times for demonstrations related to animal issues um never guilty you know because i was asserting my right to free speech uh we can't let you know today they censor uh, you know something you don't like tomorrow they'll be censoring you and uh so i i watched those hearings with great suspicion yeah i actually watched those hearings with uh zuckerberg and uh jack dorsey uh zuckerberg strikes me like a uh like a julius caesar robot he has the perfect julius julius caesar haircut maybe a julius caesar complex i don't know but he just seems like and he does seem Seems like a Julius Caesar robot, the kind, the kind that we saw at Disneyland years ago, when they all look so real. And uh, then Jack Jack Dorsey uh, strikes me as a uh, 
a robot on quaaludes. Um, I don't know what to think of him. Of course, uh, his most distinguishing uh, feature is that beard, that beard. Um, you know, it's kind of, kind of weird. I don't know. It almost seems like who could grow? It seems almost diabolical, that, that beard. Huh? Or uh, what was it? I don't know. Then I, my mind wanders off and that beard takes me off to what the, the old story of Rapunzel. So um, anyway, uh, very discouraged by censorship. Um, and uh, in fact, but I, in fact, maybe f for a moment here, let me censor myself. We just do a, a moment of self-censoring so that you're not offended and you don't uh, turn off the show right now. Okay, good. That felt good. Engaging in uh, self-censorship. And please uh, don't be offended by anything that might be coming up today. Uh, 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 don't touch that dial because we will have a great interview coming up with Neil Barnard, MD, today on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Um, or should I say Go Vegan Radio with President-elect Bob Linden? Uh, you remember, I did, if, if you've been listening to this, uh, well, I guess it's a podcast now, it used to be considered a radio show, we being the first uh, vegan show ever in mainstream media, um, back in 2001, so um, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you might remember, I did get the Missouri vote in uh, 2012, um, uh, was it 2008 or was it 2004? But yeah, these these four-year periods just kind of blur together. Uh, yeah, when when one is couch surfing through life, trying to finance a vegan talk show since 2001. But I did get the Missouri presidential vote in one of those elections there. Pretty sure it was 2008 when I was on the Air America radio network, uh, and it was a woman from a prominent Republican family in St. Louis. What station in St. Louis carried uh, Air America? Well, my show was on, I don't know, what was I on? About 30, 40 stations, WWRL in New York, K-Talk in Los Angeles, just everywhere, everywhere. Um, we were on guess it would be, have been considered a, a liberal radio network. Uh, Rachel Maddow was on that network pre-Russia uh, days when she was making sense, you know. We were all, we were all against uh, George W. Bush and the Iraq War. The good old days. So a woman from a prominent Republican family in St. Louis officially voted for me for president. And she did send me the proof of it somewhere, uh, which, of course, I, I lost uh, probably with my original Woodstock ticket. It would be worth a lot of money today, or maybe a couple hundred dollars. But that's a lot of money to me. Probably lost uh, the, the copy of my vote and the Woodstock ticket and all the newspaper clippings from the good old days. The John Lennon Memorial that I organized in Omaha in the early 80s at Rosenblatt Stadium. We made it to the CBS Evening News for that, and I was quoted in the New York Times, and oh, the, the good old days. But uh, I've 
misplaced that memorabilia. But I did get an actual vote for president. And uh, I wish I could remember her name. Like I said, she was in Missouri, St. Louis. And she voted for me saying that she thought I was the most pro-life person she knew. Um, that's right. Caring about the lives of other species and being anti-war. So she voted for me. Uh, now, as it turns out, uh, her vote in 2008 was actually the last legitimate legal vote cast in a U.S. presidential election. So technically, I am president-elect, president-elect Bob Linden, and on day one, I will sign an executive order banning all production and sale of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, and honey. Um, that's right, I will have a mask mandate, and that will be whenever you are within six feet of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, or honey, you must wear a mask, and especially this time of year, the particular uh, dangers are uh, turkey uh, and, um, you know, turkey flesh, rotting, decomposing, and rotting, decomposing pig flesh uh, that people uh, guess eat for the holidays. Are you still giving your family the bird? So anyway, um, yeah, day one, January 20th, when I placed my hand upon the Bible, and that Bible, which would, uh, if you look at Genesis uh, 1, verse 29, it, it's God's first commandment to be vegan. We have so many religious people in this country. Everybody, please now turn to Genesis book 1, verse 29, something to the effect of, behold, I have given you every plant on the face of the earth, or every herb. Um, on the face of the earth and every tree with fruit with seed in it. This will be your food, period, end of sentence, end of commandment. Where did we go wrong, huh? So, anyway, all right, yep, January 20th, right after I take the oath of office to protect the Constitution, meaning free speech, um, I will sign that executive order banning all meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, and honey, and leather, feathers, fur, wool, and silk. So we won't be eating animals, we won't be wearing animals, we won't be using them. Would that make a great society, huh? Uh, that's also my health plan, my environmental plan, my energy plan. If you don't like it, impeach me. I'm pro-peach, anyway. Um, do you hear that, Georgia? I'm counting on you for, you know, next election. Uh... When it comes to re-election time, I expect everyone living on Peachtree Street to be voting me in office, the most pro-peach candidate. Uh, uh, um, anyway, so I'm so grateful uh, for getting the legal vote. I can now claim to be president-elect Bob Linden and... Uh, no, there there will be no Green New Deal. It will be a Green New Meal. So get ready to start eating your greens. <sighs> Only when our population goes vegan will we be addressing the climate crisis, climate change, deforestation, resource depletion, water scarcity, pollution, 
so many of these uh, problems, and uh, you know, people people keep getting upset. Uh, you know, when they say, "Oh, he's a he or she is a climate uh, denier," but if you're a climate solution denier, you're as bad as the climate denier. And you know, a lot of the people are really concerned about climate change, and they they're just concerned that they're gonna you know, that the attempt will be to solve it through uh, new taxes, you know, um, like to solve it with a Paris Climate Accord, which, now, how could a document like that get so many countries to sign it? Huh? Because it required no one to do anything with no consequences if you did nothing. Um but uh, there's nothing for anyone uh, to do, really, other than to go vegan. We don't need the help of politicians or governments or so-called environmental groups or anybody. All we have to do is go vegan. And uh, because animal agriculture is responsible for at least 51%, perhaps a lot more, of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And... Um, so that is the climate solution, the solution to everything. So here we are. Um, you know, so I'm not uh, just, uh, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll serve the country, you know, I don't care. I'll, I'll serve as president-elect, at least. <laughs> I don't know. Um as you as you can tell, all this time alone in isolation, wearing a mask, breathing my own exhaust. Basically, I am. I'm. I'm. Just, I'm just beside myself right now. Um, which in California uh, can get me a fine for actually violating the COVID maximum gathering capacity rules. According, that's right. I'm beside myself, and that violates the capacity according to the governor the governor that we have here I'm trying to think of his name why am i you know cause he's so memorable the governor we have now like he, it's not like reagan or brown or schwarzenegger duke magian who's the governor oh tommy newsom not tommy newsom tommy newsom was the band leader on the Tonight Show before you were born. Gavin Newsom. Okay. Gavin Newsom. So, uh, Gavin Newsom. Now, he's in a little bit of hot water, as you might expect uh, there to be at a laundry. Well, actually, he went to, well, he broke his own rules. You know, I mean, can you imagine that? Um, Gavin Newsom broke his own rules and he attended an event with uh, people more than the capacity, none of whom wearing a mask, all together sitting shoulder to shoulder at, uh, at a restaurant called the French Laundry. Uh, near Napa, it's in wine country, and uh, 
what's up with a restaurant being called French Laundry? I mean, like, would would that be an attractive name? Would you know, like, uh, is that appetizing? That you know, to uh, although uh, you know, French French cooking, French food does uh, does have a lot of uh, cheese, and uh, cheese does smell like a hamper. Or you know whatever's been uh, decomposing in a hamper, so I guess that would make sense. Like French Laundry, would expect it. You know, some years back I was in a Whole Foods and I was in the produce section and I I called out to one of the workers there. You know, like, hey, something something smells like vomit here. And he said, "Oh no, that's just the cheese. The che you know, they they Whole Foods started putting the cheese in the produce section, and uh, it does smell like vomit, doesn't it? So, anyway, so uh, Gavin Newsom went to this this uh, restaurant, Governor Newsom, French Laundry. Um, so apparently." Well, I don't know. What, what's the point now? Maybe we can only eat at, uh, you know, laundromats or dry cleaners now. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's where it's healthy. Maybe science says, like, you know, forget restaurants. You got to eat at the laundromat or the one-hour martinizing. See, uh, Governor Newsom was uh, making some excuses, apologizing to the public. For his behavior of going to a large gathering, not wearing masks, um, and people weren't buying the apology. And I, I, I don't know. Politicians usually have the right thing to say. Now, um, I don't know why he didn't say something to the effect of, uh, you know, he was getting his getting his mask washed. He's at the French Laundry, so like he thought, well, you know, he can get his mask washed. While he eats dinner, and I see a very, uh, very high-class joint this place is, you know, with the caviar and the the vomit hamper-smelling cheese. So, um, and I don't know. I guess the people all—it it was a birthday party, and uh, a lot of people just sitting shoulder to shoulder around the table. And I suppose he could have said that you know everybody was getting like a a little bleach bath you know where everybody was taking a shot of bleach to prevent getting covid but anyway i don't get it um there are rules for some and you know not rules for others so uh there you go it, so it was a birthday party and there were uh people there from California Medical Associ Association, the governor, nobody wearing a mask. How serious is this disease? Like, these are the people, like, isn't the governor, like, the most important person in the state? Shouldn't he be protecting his health for the public good? And there they all, sitting together, no masks. You could have said, I'm at the French Laundry. I thought, you know, to get my uh, mask washed, the clothes I'm wearing here, sitting next to everybody, or we're all getting a little bleach bath. We're all taking shots of bleach to prevent COVID. Whew. Now we have a curfew, curfew in California. Um, what is it, 10 a.m. to 5 a.m.? I'm sorry, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m.
is science telling us that uh, the COVID virus is nocturnal? Maybe supposedly from bats. Bats are nocturnal, so maybe we need a curfew after all. Some people are uh, using powers. I don't know. <laughs> Get to see. You, know, you get a, a pandemic or a plandemic or a scamdemic and uh, you get to see, uh, you know, the real, the, the people behind the people, the real people come through, huh? show themselves here. Censorship, curfews, and uh, also, again, I, um, what can I say by, I'm, if I say I'm beside myself, I'm violating the uh, capacity rules here. And, you know, so what, what I'm thinking is, well, now I'm looking for ways to get around things. So I'm thinking what you do is if you're going to a family gathering or want to get together with more people than uh, the capacity allows. And I see all around the country, it's different everywhere. Like some places you can go to a gathering of 10 people. Now, I don't understand. Does science say 10 people? Or is it because we like the Dewey Decimal System that it's 10 people? Why not 9 people? Why not 11? Why not 8? Why not 12? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't... You know, conspiracy theories are us. And uh, so what I'm suggesting, here's, here's what I say you do. You, you, you go to a, a gathering and you straddle the threshold, okay? So basically, um, you, you're, you're at a doorway. Um, could be the front door, could be the back door. And you straddle the doorway. So basically, uh, you have your left foot in and you have your right foot out, okay? So you put your left foot in, you have your right foot out, you put your left foot in, and you shake it all about. You do the hoaxy poxy, and then you turn yourself around, and, and that's what it's all about, okay? So you can basically, what could you have? Five, six people per threshold, and really, you only count for half a person. The part of you that's halfway into the house only counts for half a person, so you can have twice as many people. Beat the capacity that way if you uh, put your left foot in and put your right foot out, okay? Put your left foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hoaxy pokesy. Um, remember I said don't turn off the show. Don't click off. Don't cancel me. Don't censor me. We have the most important interview on health ever coming up on today's show. So please tolerate me. Um, just You're just uh, witnessing the effects of uh, long-term so social isolation. I think since the 1960s for me, okay? Okay, all right. Well, that those are my uh, suggestions to get you through. Remember, those are the uh, suggestions from President-elect Bob Linden. And uh, again, for safety purposes, remember... Um, and, and there are studies, you know, there was one that, a Danish study that just came out said uh, as many people get the virus uh, who don't wear masks as who do wear the masks. 
And so let me just remind you that the virus is uh, microscopic particles, and sometimes the masks, you know, can't can't block them out. But they certainly can block turkey drumsticks and holiday ham. And you know what? It's not a drumstick. It's actually a body part. You know, it's a leg, just like juice. Juice from the dead animals on your table. Not really juice. Nobody's putting a turkey or a pig in a juicer. Okay. Blood! <laughs> wow. How is it we're a society that dines on blood? <sighs> when, when, do we, when do we wake up? Huh? We're supposed to be awakening. We've had plenty of time on our hands to think, you know? So when do we actually wake up that we're a society that munches on the cadavers of murdered babies and uh, washes them down, you know, drinking uh, blood? We're, we're blood-sucking vampires. Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm not talking about satanic rituals here or pedophilia. I'm talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. Okay, well, when do we wake up? When do we wake up? People are waking up all the time. I have, uh, I do want to read you an email here um, that I got from a listener. If I can find, here we go. Okay, so here, here's an email that I recently received. And, uh, it's from one uh, someone named uh, Constantine. So Constantine writes, I'm 16. Seven days ago, I accidentally stumbled upon a slaughterhouse video. I never even wondered from how exactly meat comes. Let me start again, okay? I'm 16. Seven days ago, I accidentally stumbled upon a slaughterhouse video. I never even wondered from how exactly meat comes from, and I'm not even kidding. I just never wondered. I always thought it, quote, came from animals. When I found out how exactly we, in quotes, get meat, I was crying. I was truly shaken for days. We all say uh, to Hitler that he has done the worst thing any human has ever done. But look at all of us. What are we doing to these poor defenseless animals? And then somebody gets the courage to laugh at vegans online? I am so devastated. I hate people. I always have hated them, but now I don't see a point of living anymore. Every person I've ever known is so soulless and shallow. There's no humanity. Furthermore, I go to these plant-based burger startup sites, and their only reason for making plant-based meat is sustainability and profits, not morals. I am truly thankful for you and your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being human. There's so much more to say, but I 
won't bother you with that now. So, what can I say, you know, other than uh, it's, uh, it's so sad to, you know, to hear from somebody who doesn't think life is worth living because of what we do to animals, because of our cruelty, because of our diet, because we don't give a second thought to the killing of innocent beings by the billions, one by one by the billions. We put the murder victims on our on our table to give thanks, celebrate. So, you know, what 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 could I say to uh, to the uh, listener? What did I say? What did I say to Constantine? I think I did write back. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Anyway. Anyway, um, I think the thing for, uh, for us to do when we're despondent and feel hopeless about the plight of animals is to get to work to try to help everybody to go vegan, to wake up, right? What else can we do? You know, I mean, and it's happening. It's moving in that direction. It's moving then in that direction. So what can I tell you? Even dogs and cats can be vegan now. So, you know, I want to give thanks. I want to give thanks to evolution, vegan dog and cat food as much as, you know, I want to give thanks to Dr. Neil Barnard coming up on today's show in just a couple of minutes here. Thanks to all the vegans of the world who are the the real superheroes, you know, who are saving the animals on the planet just by eating, right? That's pretty amazing. You know, who are the heroes of the world? The vegans are the heroes of the world. And, uh, you know, somebody like Evolution, a company that's been around for three decades, providing vegan dog and cat food, not one product recall over all that time. Check out all the other commercial so-called pet foods and you'll be shocked at how many product recalls there are. In Evolution, you can get um, kibble or canned. Daisy, the love of my life, has been enjoying. She loves the cans of Evolution. She's been vegan for eight years. And... Uh, you know, approaches her new bowl of evolution every day with a, you know, enthusiasm every day. So thanks to Eric Weissman at Evolution. You can give him a call at 651-492-2190, 651-492-2190, order by phone. And, you know, if you're having financial challenges, I'm sure he can work out a discount for you for evolution vegan dog and cat food and uh you know, good for all stages of life and no uh, chemical um, mold inhibitors preservatives etc you can also go to petfoodshop.com petfoodshop.com uh or again phone number 651-492-2190 you won't believe the ingredients that are in commercial so-called pet food. I mean, everything from 
spent hens and the baby chicks uh, all ground up in the you know, cage-free egg industry or the egg industry in general. Um, sewage, blood, blah, just gross. So uh, check out Evolution. I also want to give a shout out uh, to all the vegan restaurants out there. I ask everybody, please... Support your local vegan restaurant wherever you may be. This, uh, you know, pandemic, scamdemic, uh, 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 whatever the pandemic time we're going through here, really difficult on uh, so many businesses, especially restaurants. So let's uh, let's do what we can to support the local vegan restaurants. Do the takeout thing from them, or you know, whatever. You know, you can do the hokey pokey, um, get your food there. And I especially want to salute Vegetarian House, which has been around for decades also. Vegetarian House, which is 100% vegan uh, in the San Jose area, 520 Santa Clara Street. Vegetarianhouse.com, organic, vegan, delicious, wonderful, fantastic. And challenged by these times. I mean, you know, before this, uh, what's happened here, I mean, the place was always packed, you know. So, I mean, it's a challenge for everybody. It's a challenge for Go Vegan Radio, you know. Our our support is down, especially from uh, uh, French laundry uh, restaurants uh, with hamper cheese smelling food. They never supported us. At least when I, I lived in Omaha, I was the program director of Z92 there many years ago, started up that rock station. And whenever uh, bands would come to town, celebrity bands or whatever, you know, we'd go to the French Cafe. That's where we always went. We used to hang out with Journey all the time at the French Cafe. We played softball together. I'm dropping names here now, right? Anyway. But at least they called it a cafe. It was like the French cafe. Now, I don't know. What's happened to our minds? We're going to restaurants called Laundry. <laughs> oh, well, we're not, but the governor is. He went there to have his mask washed. So we'll give him a break, okay? All right. Um, there's a donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. Um I guess I need to post more on Facebook and Twitter, but, you know, I, I lose enthusiasm when when the platforms are engaged in censorship. I don't feel like, I don't know, just lose enthusiasm. What can I say? I'm not a fan of censorship and propaganda. Um, <laughs> why would anybody be? All right, so um, coming up, on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com I predict a very most amazing interview with Neil Barnard, MD.
This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Twitter, at Go Vegan Radio. And uh, you can support our show by going to GoVeganRadio.com. There's a donate button there. And uh, believe it or not, we're approaching our 20th anniversary in January. It'll be 20 years that um, we're doing this show. And I... I just checked the archives, and my next guest uh, was on this show <laughs> in March of 2008. So I guess uh, I guess we'll talk about every 12 years, <laughs> uh, and so much has gone on between then and now. That archive is at GoVeganRadio.com, and today we have uh, really the the pioneer, the superstar, the superhero, the iconic medical professional. In the world of health and nutrition, um, and you know, it is the time of Thanksgiving, and to tell you the truth, I'd like to give thanks for people like Dr. Barnard. I mean, it's uh, it's so wonderful that there's somebody who, who does such important work, and um, so it's great having him here. Now, and we have him, it, it is designated American Diabetes Month, and... Uh, Dr. Barnard actually wrote the book about it. He wrote uh, he wrote diabetes. The, he wrote the uh, reverse diabetes diet: control your blood sugar and minimize your medication within weeks. And he's all also written so many other books. I think that his if you had a collection of his books, you'd probably be doing better than most medical schools libraries. And we can go into uh, Dr. Barnard's books. Uh, also, uh, as we talk to him, so Neil Barnard, MD, is the founding president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org. And uh, welcome, Dr. Barnard. How are you? Uh, I'm great. It's great to be talking with you again. It's great to have you here. And um, so uh, it's hard to believe. I, I, I've been vegan now for 36 years. And you started PCRM when? 1985. 1985. I went vegan in 1984. That's so amazing. So, and um, so, tell us how how did you get into the world of nutrition? I mean, you, I guess you went to medical school. Was it George Washington University Medical School or? Uh, that that's right. And I have to say that when I was in medical school, we really didn't focus on prevention in general and, and nutrition in particular was really largely neglected. And once I was in practice, I started to realize that we don't really do much of anything about a, a heart attack until it comes into the emergency room door. We, in other words, we don't do anything to prevent it. We don't talk to patients about their risk very much to try to really, now things have gotten better since then, but but at that time and still today, we don't do enough to prevent these things. The same is true of something like breast cancer. Uh, we don't do much of anything until it shows up on a mammogram. But there are things that you can do to reduce the risk that these things will occur. And front and center is nutrition. And uh, speaking of diabetes, this is one of the conditions where people just think, well, you got diabetes, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. There's not much else you can do about it. But there's a tremendous amount you can do about it. You might even be able to get rid of it, provided you focus not just on filling your prescriptions at the pharmacy, but on looking at what you're eating because foods are the driver of diabetes. So that's 
that's really the issue. Mm-hmm. And so, what what is diabetes? Is what what how would you define it? Oh uh, yeah, diabetes means there's too much sugar in your blood, and sugar in your blood is is a good thing. It's glucose is a simple sugar that's going through the bloodstream in order to get to the cells of the body. And glucose is their fuel. In the same way as gasoline is the fuel for your car, glucose is the fuel for your muscles. And it's the fuel for your liver. And it's the fuel for your brain. And so you need glucose. And so having glucose in your blood is a good thing. The problem with diabetes is that it's building up in the blood. It's staying in the blood instead of getting into the muscle cells or into the liver cells. It's building up in the bloodstream, where, which, which is not so hot. Um, and over the long run, people with diabetes end up with many, many problems. And there are different forms. Type 1 means that your body isn't making insulin, which is the hormone that allows the sugar to get into cells. Type 2 diabetes means your body's making insulin, but the insulin isn't working very well. And there are other forms like gestational diabetes, which occurs during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And what might the symptoms be? Or are there symptoms? Or do yeah, oh, people... I, so, sometimes there are not. Uh, there are plenty of people who is the, the first clue that they have that they got this is their doctor staring at their lab slips saying, good heavens, your blood sugar is high. But there, there are certain symptoms that do occur. One is that people feel tired. And that makes sense. If sugar is the fuel for your muscles and it's not getting into your muscles, it's building up in the blood instead, you'd feel tired because your muscles aren't getting the fuel they need. The second thing though, is that sometimes people find that they're um, in the bathroom a lot, which is to say they're peeing a lot, they're urinating a lot. The reason for that is if you're having so much sugar in the blood, eventually the sugar starts going through the kidneys into the urine and it carries lots of water with it. And so you're peeing much more frequently than normal. And the third thing is because you're losing fluid, you're thirsty. So a person goes to the doctor and they say, I'm drinking fluid all the time. I'm always so thirsty and I'm in the bathroom all the time and I've got zero energy. And the doctor says, well, hold that thought. Let me draw a blood sample. And those are sort of the classic symptoms. But over the long run, the things get much, much worse. Uh, people with type 2 diabetes or, or any form of diabetes uh, are at risk of heart problems, loss of vision, loss of circulation to their legs, so they might end up with an amputation, their kidneys start to fail. It's a huge reason for ending up on kidney dialysis or needing a transplant or dying. And your average person with diabetes, if it is not well controlled, is going to lose 10 or 15 years of life. Um, that's all the terrible news. The good news is there is a huge amount that we can do, do about it. And our research has shown that this disease can improve dramatically and sometimes go away. Ah, and so, um, what research is this? Like, what did you conduct and how do you know what's working? Okay. Um, decades ago, it was pretty clear that people who were on more plant-based diets had less diabetes. Um, and if they would change their diet from a plant-based diet to an animal-based diet, they would were more likely to get diabetes. Classic example is Japan. Traditionally, the Japanese diet is not based on meat. It's based on rice, huge amounts of rice. 
or noodles and the vegetables and so forth are added to it. And there might be some meat in it, but it's used kind of as a flavoring for the for the rice. And then in the, oh, say the 1980s, thereabout, Japan started to westernize. And rice consumption started to fall away and chicken and beef and cheese and ice cream, Western foods started to become very popular. And diabetes statistics just rose seemingly just almost overnight within a matter of just a few years. Um, diabetes became common and lots of other issues came in. Breast cancer became more common, weight problems, heart disease and all, many other issues. So if you look within the United States, you could see that people who were on more plant-based diets had much less diabetes. Uh, if you compare a vegan to an omnivore, vegans have um, much less risk of getting diabetes. So our research team decided to do a randomized controlled trial, where, which means we took people with diabetes, type two diabetes, and half of them were randomly assigned to a plant-based diet, a vegan diet, no animal products. Um, we also kept oils really low. Um, and the other half were asked to begin a more conventional diabetes diet, limiting calories, uh, avoiding bad fat, not eating, not overdoing it on carbohydrate. And the results were really quite dramatic. Um, we use a test called hemoglobin A1C, which measure, which is a way of quantifying your blood sugar control. And the individuals on the conventional diet lost about zero. 0.4 absolute percentage points off their A1C. That's that's a good thing. It's very good. But the vegans lost three times more. It was three times more powerful. So we then tracked our individuals for an additional year after the study began, and the, 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 the differences between the diets persisted for all that time. Uh, we have done this diet with people with diabetic neuropathy, which is late stage diabetes, where your nerves are being attacked, found it's very helpful there. We started to see people where their diabetes started to go away, which is something we had never expected with a conventional diet. Um, others have found the same thing. And so now, in my view, every patient with diabetes should be offered a low-fat plant-based diet and should be helped to adopt it. And it is astounding to see the results that you can have for many of these patients. And it, it seems like you're saying it could results could happen within weeks. I mean, is that possible? Yes. Um, now, now, when I say results, there, there are all different kinds of things that happen. The first thing that people often discover is they're, they're losing weight. Most people with type 2 diabetes have some weight to lose. And they start to see the weight disappearing uh, within the first few days. You know, I lost a half a pound. Then last week I lost another pound. And the week after that I lost two pounds. That's very common uh, and welcome. And then they start noticing that their blood sugars are coming down and they come down and down and down. In fact, they come down so decisively for most people that if you're treated with insulin and if your doctor doesn't start backing you off the insulin you're taking, the combination of this powerful diet and powerful insulin injections uh, can mean your blood sugar gets way too low, dangerously low. So the, what the doctor will do is start the vegan diet, but track your blood sugar and back you off your medications as you improve. And, and the patients are thrilled because instead of their medications going up, they're coming down. And in many cases, they are, are on dramatically less medication or none at all. 
um, after after some weeks. So it's uh, it's a great thing to see. You know, when when we think about uh, diet and diabetes, I, I think most people think, well, you're supposed to cut out sugary drinks or donuts or candy and don't really think about um, animal foods derived from animals uh, as, as being impactful. Right. Um, well, donuts and so forth, these are not particularly healthy foods, and it's good to get rid of them, but that's not the issue with diabetes. Um, it's understandable people would think that because their blood sugar is going up, and so you would think, well, I shouldn't be eating sugar. True, but that's not what caused your problem. Um, what, the, 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 the issue is with insulin. In the pancreas, which is an organ right behind your belly button, the cells of the pancreas make insulin. It's a hormone. It's a normal hormone. It gets into your bloodstream, and it goes to your muscle cells. It goes to your liver cells and on the surface of the cell it attaches and when it attaches to the cell it can open up the membrane to let glucose inside and for some reason your insulin is not working and so you can you can look in detail at what's going on the insulin still is made in the pancreas it goes through the blood it still attaches to the muscle cell but at that point it can't open the muscle cell to let, let the glucose inside why not and that was the most amazing discovery the reason insulin isn't working, it doesn't have anything to do with the soda that you had or some bread or something like that. What the problem is, fatty foods have built up, have caused fat particles to build up inside your muscle cells. The fat particles are also building up in your liver cells. And when the cells fill up with fat, insulin stops functioning normally. It's called insulin resistance. So let's say you have a burger with cheese. Cheese is 70% fat. The burger has a lot of fat too. And the French fries are probably dripping in grease. And so all that fat gets into the blood, it gets into your cells, it stops insulin from working, it causes this insulin resistance and your blood sugar rises. At that point, if you eat extra sugar or extra bread or extra rice, your blood sugar will rise even more. But that's not the problem. The problem is the fat inside the cell. And so if I start a vegan diet, there is zero animal fat in my diet and the fat inside the cell starts to dissipate. But go further, keep vegetable oils low too. You don't need fryer grease all over the place. You don't need greasy junk all over your salad. Keep those oils really low too. And the combination of a vegan diet, meaning zero animal products and minimizing oils is extremely powerful and it can cause diabetes to improve and sometimes go away. So that's the deal. Fat inside the cells, that's what you want to eliminate. The technical term for it, for people who are interested, fat inside a muscle cell is referred to by doctors as intramyocellular lipid, but intramyocellular lipid just means fat inside a muscle cell. And you can imagine that dissipating as you improve your diet. Well, um, I think that people should probably go to pcrm.org and to your information and your book because I'm seeing so something totally different on the website of the American Diabetes Association where I'm just checking around for recipes here and what do I see? I see spiced pork and glazed apple with uh, roasted vegetables. I see better mashed potatoes but they have butter and uh, buttermilk and Parmesan cheese. I see southern collard greens, but um, they have uh, uncooked smoked turkey necks and chicken broth. 
Um, <laughs> getting sick to my stomach. Um, there's a there's a roast turkey with orange spice. There's air fryer buttermilk fried chicken, spinach mushroom quiche. Oh, it has egg substitute, but it also has it has milk and mozzarella and parmesan, chicken sausage and cabbage. I mean, what's going on here? It seems like totally the opposite of what you're telling us here. It is unfortunate, and now. To their credit, and I, I see what you mean. You know, it's it's it, it's a sad thing, and, and commercial pressures are really unhelpful to us. Um, but I do want to give some credit where credit is due. The American Diabetes Association was actually among the first to publish our findings um, in 2003. The federal government, through the National Institutes of Health, gave us a very generous grant to do to do the work that I'm describing. They paid the U.S. government paid for us to bring in people and do a head-to-head -head test of a conventional diet and a vegan diet. And the vegan diet really proved tremendously advantageous. And when we had those findings, in 2006, the American Diabetes Association published them in their journal, Diabetes Care. And then three years later, our long-term findings were published by the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. So I'm, I'm appreciative of all of these. Uh, but you're right. I mean, there's all kinds of, of nonsense out there when you look at what recipes people are promoting. Um, and I just released a new book that I hope people will look at, get it from the local library. It's called Your Body in Balance. And the idea is that if insulin or any other hormone is not working right, you can get back into balance by changing your diet. So when I wrote Your Body in Balance, it has a whole big section on diabetes. And it has, it has lots of great recipes that were done by Lindsay Nixon, who you might know. Lindsay is a the, the happy herbivore and a wonderful, wonderful recipe creator. And uh, she created recipes that are completely vegan, very healthy, but so approachable and delicious. I hope, I hope people will have a look at it. And, and what are some of your favorite healthy foods or what might some of the recipes be that, that you like that? Well, you know, I think, I think that as a general category, I'm going to say it helps to think international. What I mean by that is so many countries have had plant-based staples for millennia. Um, and so let's say you're, you're going to uh, order out some food with some friends. Uh, let's say you think about an Italian restaurant. Italian restaurants, get, they have meat items, but they have lots and lots and lots of vegan items. Get the angel hair pasta topped with arrabbiata sauce, grilled vegetables on the side, salads, a pasta e fagiole, lentil soup. All these things. Uh, moving away from Italian, think about a Mexican or Latin American cuisine where they have veggie fajitas, bean burritos, uh, veggie tacos. Think about um, Chinese food with uh, rice, tofu dishes, vegetable dishes. Um, and they've got not just one or two. They've got dozens and dozens and dozens on their menu. Um, if you go to a sushi bar, skip the fish sushi. Um, instead, have the cucumber roll or the asparagus roll or the the sweet potato roll with the seaweed salads and the regular salads and the miso soup. Um, if you, if, to put it this way, think international. You'll find so many countries have ways of having plant-based options. Now they might add, add meat to them one in one way or another, but you can negotiate that away and you'll find totally vegan foods. And because being vegan is so fashionable nowadays, just about any steakhouse nowadays, yeah, they're, they're, they're promoting gluttony in their own way, but they are very proud of their sides and proud of their vegetables. And they know that if there's a, a group from work and five of them are, are meat eaters, there's one or two or three 
vegans with them too and they 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 want to serve them food so you'll find choices anywhere you go <laughs> you, you remind me of i i had i, I worked at a radio station uh jazzy 100 in washington dc years ago and they flew me in for a job interview and the general manager insisted on taking me to blackie's house of beef uh, which was a big popular steakhouse in Washington, D.C. And I, I don't think the wait staff ever had the questions that I asked of them <laughs> just to try to you know, get some broccoli or a potato or something at that time, although uh, things, things have changed. Uh, we're talking to Neil Barnard, M.D., who's the founding president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org, founded like 35 years ago. How could that be? You're, you look younger and younger as time goes on. Uh, have you found the, the fountain of youth and, <laughs> in well, Kale? <laughs> no, well, thank you for saying that. You know, time does its dirty tricks on all of us, but, you know, we, we, try, we do try to stay healthy if we, if we can. And in my own life, I grew up in North Dakota. And um, my, father, my father sort of inherited the cattle business. Um, his father was a cattle rancher, and his father was a cattle rancher, you know, as far back as you could trace, pretty much. But, but my dad, to his credit, decided he did not want to. Once he was sort of old enough to decide for himself, he said, "I'm out of here. I'm not. I'm not raising cattle anymore." And so he left, and he went to medical school. And my dad became the diabetes expert for Fargo, North Dakota. He worked at the Fargo Clinic. Um, but I got to tell you, I never once heard him say when he would walk home oh, you know he'd set down his bag around six o'clock i never once heard him say that anyone with diabetes ever got better their diets that they used were just trying to cut calories tell people lose weight and of course people don't feel like being hungry all the time um, they would try to limit carbohydrate but they were missing the point they didn't know about, they did not know about intramyocellular lipid they didn't know about insulin resistance um, they prescribed gradually increasing doses of insulin and they lost the battle for just about everybody. Um, my father did not encourage me to go into medicine at all. It didn't encourage me to get involved in diabetes. And when I was an intern and a resident, I thought, wow, this disease doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, it's uh, sort of a disaster when it happened. But what we found is that once you plug a vegan diet in and you do it the right way and you give the patient some support, their lives are just transformed. And it is an amazing gift. And, and instead of being a doctor-patient relationship, it's a collaboration of let's tackle this disease together. And at our medical center here, you, at the Physicians Committee, we have Barnard Medical Center. And people with diabetes come in and they can't believe the power that they have. Uh, by the way, let me just mention, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, the Barnard Medical Center has been offering telemedicine to people all around the country. And I hope people who are thinking, gee, I, I, I wish I could find a doctor who believes what you believe. Um, our website is barnardmedical.org. Have a look. Um, and so people from California or Texas or Florida or if you're up upstate New York or whatever, give us a call. We'd love to, love to talk to you. Uh, barnardmedical.org? That's it. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so uh, Dr. Barnard, we've talked about your book. Uh, so yeah, so you were on my show uh, in 2008. We we started Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden in 2001. So 2008, we uh, uh, 
have had you for an interview, which is archived at goveganradio.com. Um, but you you didn't write you didn't write your book about diabetes until two years later, or it wasn't published until two years later. And so we mentioned your book, The Reverse Diabetes Diet: uh, Control Your Blood Sugar and Minimize Your Medication Within Weeks. Um, you just mentioned your latest book, uh, Your Body in Balance. And as as I look through all of your books, um, and it's amazing. I don't know when you've had time to write all of it. Have you been writing a book while we've been on air now? Is your next book like <laughs> Dr. Barnard uh, after his interview with Bob Linden uh, cookbook here? Um, so um, it looks like a collection of your books would rival any medical school library. So maybe if, if we just mention what they are and if you want to mention a word or two or, or recommend or, you know, these might make great gifts for the holiday season you have i see we go from uh, your body and balance is your most recent and what 21 day weight loss kickstart uh yeah well let's let, let me tell you why kind of why i wrote that your body and balance in particular that that's this brand new one and it, it's because you and i have been talking about diabetes and diabetes is where a hormone is misbehaving but what people don't know is that hormones control every aspect of your health there there are hormones made in your thyroid gland and they give energy to your body and if you're out of balance if you're making too much or too little thyroid hormone you feel terrible if you're not making enough thyroid hormone you're sluggish you're gaining weight you're constipated you're cold and the opposite can happen if you're making too much thyroid hormone you're energized to the point of feeling terrible and wired and, and nervous and so forth and let's say the ovaries are making too much estrogen or the testosterone, uh, testosterone is either too low or too too high. Your body makes hormones that control who you are. And I got so excited because we discovered that you can control these hormones. You and I have been talking about one, that's insulin, but you can control estrogens. You can control thyroid hormone to a dramatic degree. So if you're thinking, well, there's no way I'll ever feel well again because my thyroid is acting up. I won't get energy. I'm just going to continue to gain weight. Let's get that back in balance. Let's say, let's say it's estrogen and you've got menstrual cramps or you've got endometriosis or PCOS and you thought, well, that's just I'm, something I'm stuck with. Stop. It is entirely possible and likely and you can change these things by changing what you eat. So your body in balance is, is to help people understand how to get your hormones into balance to achieve a level of health that you may never have thought was possible. So anyway, when I, when I discover concepts like this, I get so excited about it, Bob, I got to tell you. And I just want people to know about them. And then, but, you ha but a book can't just be a scientific treatise. It's got to be a guide to what you can do now and some recipes so you can envision it and some tips for what to do when your family doesn't believe it and, and all that kind of stuff. You've got to, you've got to give people an owner's manual. So, so I called it your body in balance because frankly, people are not in good balance. They're too low, too high, but you can, you can get there and life is just great when you do. Yeah. Well, is it any wonder that we're out of balance if we're eating meat, dairy, fish and eggs all our lives and I don't know. So so many other things going on. Fluoride in the water and chemistry. Who who knows what's attacking your body? You know, to 
put a, put us out of balance. Um, what uh, what other of your books would you recommend? I mean, you have Power Foods for the Brain. You, tell us about the books that you would recommend people get. I, I guess Your Body in Balance is at the top of your list. It's the new one. Oh, and also, yeah. you, you mentioned the hormones, though. Do, do I hear people worry about estrogen and tofu or soy? Is that a, a concern that uh, out there that that's out there? It's, or? it's, it's something people talk about, and it's, it's another... It, it's discussed in great detail in your body imbalance, and but I'll give you the 90-second version of it. Um, back in about 1931, I think, researchers discovered that soybeans contained special compounds that are called isoflavones. And isoflavones are interesting uh, natural compounds. They're in soybeans. They're in other, other plants, too. And in the test tube, what you can see is that they will actually attach to a breast cancer cell. And that worried some people, that worried some scientists. They thought, good heavens, if, if these isoflavones are attaching to an estrogen receptor on a breast cancer cell, that might mean that they would cause cancer. Or if a woman had had breast cancer in the past, maybe the, the isoflavones from soy would cause the cancer to grow. So research has been done on that. And the research shows precisely the opposite that women who consume soybeans, soy milk, um, edamame, uh, tofu, tempeh, women who consume these products have less breast cancer compared to women who don't. In fact, if you compare the women who consume the most soy products, compare them to women who consume the least soy products. The women who consume the most have about 30% less breast cancer compared to the others. And for women who have had breast cancer in the past and they were treated for it, the women consuming the most soy, again, have about 30% reduced mortality. So soy does affect your breast cancer risk, but in a really good way. It reduces the likelihood that you'll get it. It reduces the likelihood that you would ever die of it. And it does the same for men with regard to prostate cancer. So why, raises, why the fear campaign then? There's so much misinformation and disinformation out there, right? I mean, you're saying it's the the exact opposite of what a lot of people are, are believing and fearing and stay away from soy products as a result. Well, those, those yes, those things are very much out of date because by about 2004, there was a very good meta-analysis combining the results of eight different studies done at that time showing the, the statistics that I just gave you and about 10 years later another meta-analysis much larger combining about oh something like 45 studies um, showed the same thing so the, the data are extremely clear in fact if you were to go to for example uh, the American Institute for Cancer Research or other other cancer organizations they're clear about it. They say that soy is pre preventive. They'll, they'll point out that it's good. But there are some kind of not very <laughs> reputable um, right. sites. That, that I, I imagine, you know, like the dairy industry probably, you know. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But, but, who let, knows? but let, maybe let me come back to also why this is. Because if I mentioned earlier that soy has isoflavones that will attach to receptors on a breast cell. So how could that possibly be good? Well, the reason it can be good is, let, let me give you an analogy. You get into your car, and under your right foot is a pedal, and that pedal is the gas pedal. And you step on it, and your car goes. But right next to it is another pedal, and that's the brake. And that does the opposite. You step on the brake, your car will stop. 
on the surface of a breast cell, there are receptors that if they're called alpha receptors, something that attaches to that makes the cell go, so to speak. It, it can promote its growth and could promote conversion to can a cancer cell. Right next to it, there is a beta receptor. Beta receptors can be thought of as the break um, and the soy attaches to, to the beta. So, uh, so you don't have to have soybeans, they're totally optional but they're always better than what they replace. I mean, if you're gonna have a burger and instead of a meat burger, you have a soy burger, or instead of pork bacon, you have soy bacon, that's a good shift. And especially for kids, um, kids today grow up at tremendous risk and they're eating meat and dairy and things that cause all kinds of problems later in life. And their parents are unsure about giving them soy. Give them the soy, it's a good thing for them. Now it's, it's optional, you can have other beans and vegetables and grains and so forth, but the soy is, is fine. Now, I prefer organic soy. By, by law, if it is organic, it cannot be GMO. Um, so if you get um, organic tofu, organic soy milk, it's never GMO. The person who has to worry about GMO soy, by the way, is the ch person eating chicken or beef or pork, because what are those animals eating? They're eating, those animals have been eating all their lives. GMO feed uh, feed crops, exactly. soy, corn, other things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right, I'm with you on that. I I do organic soy, only organic soy and tofu, and uh, and and also I uh, I have uh, observed also that the uh, GMO is going to into the animal. So you know, cheese, the uh, the body parts. You know, you are what you eat, or you are what whom you are eating ate. Or, who knows? Um, so we're talking to uh, Neil Barnard, MD, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM.org, celebrating its 35th anniversary of bringing such important knowledge to the world. Um, I, I, do you have any other books of yours that you would recommend? Do you remember all your books and which you might recommend and what you might say about them? Well, shortly before I wrote Your Body in Balance, I wrote a couple of other books that I might just highlight. Uh, one is called The Cheese Trap. And the reason I wrote The Cheese Trap is of all the foods that people miss w when they've gone vegan. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's not really chicken or spam or pork chops that's on their mind. It's cheese. And I can't tell you how many people say to me, I could be vegan. Except, except for, for cheese. the cheese. I hear except that all the time. I, I just think, can't wait. give up the cheese. I hear that all the time, too. You know, it smells like old socks. You think, why do people <laughs> why do people crave it so much? And so I wrote The Cheese Trap because I want people to understand what cheese is, why they are so darn addicted to this yellow glue, um, and why they might want to get away from it. Um, so many people find their health just rebounds when they get away from dairy in general and cheese in particular. So that's that's the cheese trap. And it's full of really cool recipes to replace the cheese as well. Um, but then I have another book, a really skinny little book. Every book I ever wrote is so big, you could use it to prop open a door. Um, but I wanted to write a book that would help a person who wants to try a vegan diet, but they want a, a book that, that you can read in 45 minutes and will tell you everything you need to know and give you confidence to start. And that's called the Vegan Starter Kit. It's it's a little paperback book. It doesn't cost much of anything. It's called the Vegan Starter Kit. And I hope that people will use it like a stocking stuffer or give it to a friend and just say, give this a shot. Um, 
Oh, by the way, Bob, I got to tell you, when you give people a gift, if you give them a book as a gift, there's a trick I've always used. I, I, I learned this from my mother. My mother had a high cholesterol level and I would, I, I gave her a book, hoping that she would go vegan and get her cholesterol down. And I wasn't living at home, I, you know, I was living in Washington, so, but I would travel back to North Dakota and I'd see my mom. And I'll be darned, that book was on this table where I left it, in exactly the same spot. <laughs> and you know how you can tell when a book has not been opened? So I discovered that when I, I gave her another book, but I took a post-it note and I put it on page 140. And I took another post-it note and I put it on page 175 and another one on page 190. And then on the front of it, I put a little note. I said, Mom, I love you so much. And I thought of you on page, you know, each one of these things. I said, look at that and you'll see what I mean. And you do this with anybody. Um, they will tear that book open. They will read the page and they'll think, what is he talking about? They'll read the page before, they'll read the page after. Pretty soon they'll read the whole book. And they'll call you up and they'll say, that was an amazing book. I'm, I'm, I'm making these recipes. This is really cool. But tell me, what was it that made you think of me on those pages that you flagged? And you can then confess to them nothing. I just knew that if I did that, you'd read the darn book. And you can do that with a movie, uh, Game Changers or Fork, Forks Over Knives or What the Health. Say to your friend, watch What the Health. And between about 48 minutes and about a minute 10, uh, about, about an hour 10, that was you. They're going to watch that movie eight times to see if they can find themselves in the movie. So, and how did you go vegan yourself? What, what prompted you? A few things. Um, the year before I went to medical school, I had a job in uh, Fairview Hospital in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'd, I'd gone to college in the Twin Cities, and I uh, took a year off before I went to medical school, and I, during that year, I was working in a hospital, and I was working in the basement, in the, the morgue. And the morgue was a place where people who died in the hospital were kept in the cooler, and when we had to do autopsies to determine the cause of death, my job was to assist the pathologist with the exam. So I would run down to the cooler, I'd put the body on the table, and the pathologist would walk in, and he would, one day we had a guy who, who died in the hospital of a massive heart attack probably from eating hospital food, but that's another another issue. So anyway, the pathologist opened up the chest and he pulled a big chunk of ribs off the, the, the chest, set them on the table, because if you remove a big chunk of ribs, you can see the heart. And he said, look at this heart. And I did, and the arteries that were on the surface of the heart, they're called coronary, because they crown the heart, they were filled with atherosclerotic plaque, meaning blood couldn't get through. And he said, this is a myocardial infarction. This is a, a heart attack. And we looked at the arteries to the brain. They had the same, the same atherosclerotic changes. In other words, they were clogged. And this was uh, a real education for me. And he said, you know, Neil, this is your bacon and eggs. That's what does this. Oh, really? Well, that's graphic. Uh, at the end of the exam, he left the room. And I had to clean everything up. So I put the ribs back in the chest. I tried to make them fit with the other ribs. And then I sewed up the skin and cleaned everything up. And I went up to the cafeteria when I was done. And they were serving ribs for lunch. Oh and I got to tell you, I looked at it. And I didn't become a vegetarian on the spot, but I thought, I cannot eat that. I just, it, it looks like a dead body. And it, it smells like a dead body. And in fact, 
it is a dead body. So what are we anyway, doing eating dead bodies? I don't understand. It's like a... that was my that was my experience. So so you know how you can't unlearn something, you can't unsee something. So then I would see a burger and I would the smell. You just thought there's there's something wrong with this picture. And as time went on, I started to also appreciate the animal side of it. Um, we were supposed to kill animals in experiments in my training, and and I was a bit of a cocky. Well, I, I, I refused to do it, basically. And I, I just started to realize that we can, we can have a diet that is healthy. It's healthier by far than the North Dakota beef diet I grew up on that is also compassionate and kind. And if that is not something we need more of in this world, you know, I mean... You that's, get the idea. That's, that's so, what I, I did it for the animals. So my, my first experience was in college. I was my friends would come over every Friday night and I would cook a chicken dish and with an apricot glaze and, and everybody loved it. And then one Friday night, I'm looking down at the frying pan and I'm seeing somebody's body. I'm going, this is wait, this is someone's body like somebody died for us to be eating i don't think i can eat animals anymore and I, I never considered health issues in fact i thought it would be detrimental to my health my future ex-mother-in-law was yelling at me you know you're gonna die if you eat like that what's wrong with you you know and and i wasn't you know vegan yet i was like oh i guess i can eat dairy and eggs until i found out what happened to the chickens and the cows but health was never a consideration i didn't know that this would be a benefit you know i, I, I thought yeah, well, like well okay well what can i do i can't eat animals anymore if it hurts my health it hurts my health and amazing how it turns out to be the opposite you know and uh, i i often hear health professionals say well you know we, we kind of say plant-based because you know if we say vegan i mean somebody could have a diet of oreos and potato chips and you know that's a vegan diet and you know that wouldn't be good but i'm thinking you know but the animals wouldn't mind you <laughs> okay if you're going to eat oreos and potato chips at least the animals would support that but you know, we, we do have healthier foods. I mean, we have the foods. We're, we're like foodies. We have the best tasting and the most nutritious foods. And apparently well, the, the foods that cure. Yes, <laughs> Bob, let me, let me address that. You know, there are some people who talk about vegan junk food, but I, I, I don't think that that's something to focus on really because let's put it this way. There are people who are meat eaters. They're, they're omnivores. They're eating meat, they're eating dairy, and they're eating also what they would call junk food, which means candy and, and sodas and things like that. Um, if they make the choice to go vegan, let's say they're still eating all those junk foods like candy and sodas, but they've stopped eating meat and they're eating beans instead of meat. And instead of cheese, they're, they're increasing their vegetables and fruits. That's a good shift. So a person who goes from an omnivorous diet, a meaty diet, to a vegan diet, Whatever they do, that's a move in a good direction. That said, don't stop there. You know, you do want to eat what I'm going to call simple foods, beans and vegetables and fruits and whole grains. And that's a good thing. So the, the whole idea, it is true that the food industry has, has found ways to provide vegan versions of ice cream and of sausage and all kinds of stuff. And those are, are frankly, very good transitional foods for people. But I, I don't beat up vegans for for liking junk food. But um, 
because they 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 were eating it they were eating that same stuff when they were meat eaters it's just part of the transition toward uh, toward healthier food but the payoff is enormous uh when i was a a kid and my grandpa developed alzheimer's disease we just thought that's old age there's nothing you can do and then you discover wait a minute alzheimer's is driven by saturated fat in other words the fat that's in dairy and in meat it's driven by metals like aluminum, um, iron, copper. Uh, th- there are certain things that, that are associated with a higher risk of it. And if we control those things, we can probably reduce our risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, disease quite substantially. What a gift that could be. And if at the same time you're not harming animals, great. At the same time, you're being gentle to the environment. We should all be doing those things. So at, at this point in, in my work, I'm having trouble understanding why anyone would not want to, to, uh, to take advantage of it. I, I, I know. Why isn't the world vegan yet? Well, we're, we're working on it. Uh, well, a lot of the world is. A lot of the world is. You, know, it's, it's, you, you have seen changes in just the past few years. So many celebrities and uh, sports heroes. Um, in fact, you know, with, with the world of sports, it started with the distance runners, Carl Lewis. Carlos Sprinter, long, long, long run, uh, long jumper, and just an incredible athlete and vegan. And then Scott Jurek and um, uh, Brendan Brazier and Rich Roll and so many other wonderful athletes are powered by a vegan diet. And so you think, okay, well, it's, I guess it's good for endurance. And then the world of tennis picked it up. And in, ten- in tennis, Novak Djokovic, uh, Serena Williams, uh, Venus Williams, you know, they need endurance, but they also need power. And they got both. Um, and then the football, pe- people playing American football started picking it up. you got to be big in football, but you don't want to be flabby. You, just, you want muscle. So that's when the Tennessee Titans, what was it, two or three years ago, lots of them started going vegan, and they had the best season they'd ever they'd had you know, in years and years and years. And then, um, and of course, in the world of Formula One, uh, the pinnacle of motorsport, Lewis Hamilton, who is this, the driver that nobody can touch, uh, just Sunday, he won his seventh world champion championship. He's won more races than any driver in history and very outspoken about his vegan diet. And he's outspoken about not just being healthy, but about being kind and about being compassionate. And to me, that kind of maturity is the way to, to, to take what you're doing for physical reasons, for health reasons, and showing that it's not just that, that, that it is a way to really behave appropriately in this world that we live in. Yeah, so, so going vegan can help you drive faster. That's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> do it on a racetrack. Don't, don't, don't do it on the, yeah, do it on the racetrack. So, um, and, oh, did I interrupt? Were you going to recommend any of your other books? Um, I, I, I see that you have a, have a book that Foods That Fight Pain. Now, that's interesting. Revolutionary strategies for maximum pain relief. I mean, who would think that, too, right? Well, yes, but you're going to read some of the things in, same in your body and balance. Um, okay. What got me going in that direction was a young woman called me up on the phone. She had menstrual pain. She said, I can't get out of bed. And one day every month I feel this way. I'm just miserable. You know, a lot of women have cramps, menstrual cramps. But for about one in ten, they are just off the scale, cannot function painful. And I said, she, she wanted painkillers. And I said, I can give you some painkillers for a couple of days, you know, that'll, that'll help you. But 
I started thinking, how can we stop this from happening again next month? And something hit me. I started thinking, you know, we use plant-based diets to reduce estrogens, the female sex hormone, to get them back into balance. And we do that to reduce breast cancer risk. I bet that it would have the same effect for this condition called dysmenorrhea or menstrual pain. Um, and so I suggested to her that she do two things, one, no animal products and keep oils very, very low. She did, uh, it cured her menstrual pain. We then started doing research on that and we have found that it, it, it works for a great many women. Um, and if, if somebody's listening to this and you've got cramps or if you've got endometriosis, do two things. One, no animal products, totally vegan. But the other, and this is important, keep the oils really low too. So don't have, for, for the next two months or so, no, no oils, no frying oils, no, no nuts, no guacamole. Leave the fatty stuff out and just see how you feel. Those changes reduce the amount of estrogen in your blood back toward the more normal level. Over the long run, that reduces your risk of breast cancer. Over the short run, it reduces the stimulation of the uterus so that you have less symptoms each month. Don't, don't take my word for it. Just test it out. So have a yeah, lot of grains. In this, and case, we, we, in this case, we endorse uh, experiments on uh, humans, right? So not on animals, well, but experiment on yourself, right? <laughs> well, what, what I'm suggesting is that a person eat, try, try a really healthy diet. Um, and for, th for this, I would give it about two full menstrual cycles. So let's say your period starting today. Starting today, I want you to be totally vegan and very low in fat for the whole rest of the month and one more month. Um, if you just do it at the end of, your, of the month, it's not going to really work. The, the, the issue is that a fatty, meaty diet increases estrogen in your blood. Uh, dairy products actually contain estrogens. Those estrogens thicken up the uterine lining called the endometrium. And as they thicken it up, when your period arrives, that big, thick, endometrium breaks apart in menstrual flow as it does so it releases prostaglandins that cause pain so anyway that this was just an observation or a, an, i guess an educated guess i i had and it worked and so in, in when you pick up your body in balance you'll see I, I described this in detail and and bob can i tell you one other just quick anecdote um in the course of this research study that we did working with georgetown university one of the women came in for menstrual pain. And one of the rules of the study was we asked women not to be using birth control pills. If they were sexually active, they had to use some other kind of contraception, but nothing with hormones in it. And because, because we were testing the effect of diet on hormones, we didn't want to confound her. She said, Dr. Bonnet, I don't use birth control pills. I don't use any kind of contraception because I'm infertile. She had been tested years earlier. And she said her husband was tested, it wasn't him. It's, it's, she says, it's me, I don't ovulate, da, 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 da. The second month that she was on the low-fat vegan diet, she came into our center and she said, Dr. Barnard, I've got some, some news for you. Um, I'm leaving your study. I said, well, that's, I'm, we're sorry to lose you. How come? She says, because I'm pregnant. <laughs> and she, she thought she was infertile. What she was was out of balance. She, had, she ended up having a healthy baby and then another one and another she had three healthy kids um 
So anyhow, uh, I wrote about that first in Foods That Fight Pain because I wanted people to know about how foods can affect headaches and menstrual pain and other things. But Your Body in Balance is the book that's really about all the hormones and stuff. You, you mentioned uh, nuts and avocados. I mean, are, do we... Do we want them? Do we want to eat them a lot? Do we want to? I mean, what's is there concern about them? I mean, what? Yes, they're they're well. If you are skinny and healthy and are not trying to reverse diabetes, they're fine. But if you are, remember when I said diabetes is caused by the buildup of fat inside your cells? When I'm trying to reverse diabetes, I want the fat to come out of the cell. So peanut butter is not going to help me because it's got a lot of fat in it, and that's true. Most plant-based foods are extremely low in fat. Think of all the grains, think of the beans, think of the vegetables and fruits. But there are very few exceptions, and those are nuts and seeds, avocados, cooking oils. So if you're trying to reverse your diabetes, or you're trying to lose weight, or you're trying to tackle estrogen, set those aside for now. No, they are qualitatively, they are much healthier fat than, than chicken fat, that's for sure. But um, for now, we're trying to minimize those so, that, so I can get you back in gear. You, later on, you can bring little bits of it into your diet and see how you do. If you're skinny and healthy and you don't have any of these health problems, if you have an ounce of, day, an ounce, ounce of nuts per day, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And uh, I, I know you're a little pressed for time, but um, I did want to ask you your opinion of there are so many popular diets out there now that just seem so dangerous. I mean, I see things like the the carnivore diet and keto and all of that. The, what, what do you say about them? What, uh... um, I agree with your assessment. Um, these are fads that are appealing to people uh, for a while. With ketogenic diets in particular, they say don't eat carbohydrates. So leave out fruit and leave out grains and leave out beans and da 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 da. And that's about 50% of what you would eat. So you're, you're going to lose weight because you are leaving out these foods. Um, the problem is that you're left with meat and cheese and things which for many people will make their cholesterol rise. Not everybody, but but for some their cholesterol will rise. Your average person is going to see about 10 points worse cholesterol than they had before, which you do not want. And then the foods that you're eating are the very foods that are linked to breast cancer and colorectal cancer. So what are you doing? Um, you can lose weight with a vegan diet. And all the side effects are good ones. And the animals are smiling at you and the environment gets better. Um, a, a keto, di- keto diet is a cop-out. Um, it's, for some people, a way to lose weight at the expense of your long-term health, at the expense of animals, at the expense of the environment. Um, and there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hearing very strange things in interviews and podcasts. And I'm hearing people supporting the carnivore diet and saying... You, you have to have cholesterol. You should be eating cholesterol. I mean, uh, I don't, you know. No, your, your, your liver, you do, your body does make cholesterol for use. Your, your body makes testosterone out of cholesterol, for example. Um, it makes estrogens out of cholesterol. It makes vitamin D out of cholesterol. It makes a lot of things. But cholesterol is sort of like a, a brick. And so your body can use it to make all kinds of things. Um, but you should never eat cholesterol because your body makes all you need, and if you eat cholesterol, you get too much. It's like running to a construction site 
with a huge truckload of bricks saying, here's some more. They're going to say, wait, 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 stop. Get that out of here. We, we've got all, everything we need. Your body has all the cholesterol it needs. It does not need you to add more. If you add more, it increases the risk of heart problems. Mm-hmm. And there's no cholesterol uh, in vegan food. So we're effectively safe. right. Yeah, that's effectively right. Okay. All right. Well, we've been talking to Dr. Neil Barnard of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, the president and founder, and uh, his latest book is Your Body in Balance. So definitely check that out. And uh, you can go to barnardmedical.org. And anything that we didn't say or mention that you'd like to? Um, Maybe just one last thing. Uh, We have an app that's free. It's called the 21 Day Vegan Kickstart. And it's on your iPhone, it's on your Android, it's in English, it's in Spanish. And we made it for doctors to give to patients who need to learn how to change their diet and do it quickly. And so we packed menus and recipes and cooking videos on there and it is really fun. And it's totally free. 21 Day Vegan Kickstart app, give it a try and, and tell your friends about it and who, who are trying to make the same kind of change. Well, Dr. Neil Barnard, you are a superhero among superheroes. I think vegans are the superheroes. Look, we can save the world and the animals, our health, the children, the environment, just by eating. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is, and and thank you for all the work you have done over many years. I'm so grateful to you for inspiring people and educating people. They need it, and you have delivered it in such a wonderful, warm way, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Dr. Barnhart. Okay, well, be, let, let's not be strangers. Let's see, it took us 12 years uh, between interviews here, so let's have you back sooner. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see you in 2032, if not before. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, Thanks so much. Thanks. Okay, that will just about do it for today's episode of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. I invite you to go to goveganradio.com where there are over 600 programs that are archived. Those are the ones that we were able to save. There were many before that uh, when we were on radio and uh, on little mini discs and on CDs, a box of CDs that wound up in somebody's garage that got lost, like my record collection from my entire radio career as a program director, you know, moving around a lot. (laughs) That's how it was in radio, terrestrial radio, before you were born. What's a radio station anyway? Um... So I want to thank you for listening, and please encourage everybody to go vegan. That would be so great. I want to remind you, please wear uh, your mask whenever you are within six feet of meat, dairy, fish, eggs, or honey. And show your love, show your support on the website, goveganradio.com. And uh, again, 